Hello, this is Jensen Franklin, and thank you so much for joining us for this week's podcast. Our goal is to provide you with biblically-based teachings that will challenge, inspire, and equip you to live for Jesus. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to go ahead and subscribe today to this podcast so you can get the latest updates from us and you don't ever have to miss a new message. Let's go right into the service recorded at Free Chapel. I believe it's going to bless you today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. I'm preaching today on the signs of the times and prophecy. It's pretty astounding that in the middle of this series, this takes place. And next Sunday, Pastor John Hagee will be right here in the 9 and the 11 o'clock service preaching on prophecy. And uh, we're honored and excited to have him. How many of you enjoyed our speaker last week? I know he did an outstanding, outstanding job. We deeply appreciate Jimmy Evans. Look with me in Matthew chapter 24. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. And then he begins to list a a lot of things that will happen. And I'll, I'll, I'll I'll go back to them in a moment, but I want to highlight a few verses. And then I want you to see what he says, that the love of many, he says down in in the verse, um, many will be offended and the love of many, verse 12, will grow cold. But he that endures to the end will be saved. Then he talks about in verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. I, I cannot take time to break down this chapter, but I cannot emphasize to you how important it is to prophecy. This is not from just anybody. This is Jesus. And he's saying, if you want to know how close you are to my coming, if you want to know whether or not I'm coming back, this is my sermon personally to you about when I will return and come again. You ought to know this chapter. Chapter 24 ought to be read by every Christian. You need to read it this week. You need to read the book of Revelation personally. Every person in this church should say, I have read the book of Revelation. It'll take you about two and a half hours. And even if you don't understand it, Revelation 1 and verse 3 said that blessed is he who reads and hears these words. If you'll just read the book, it's the only book in the Bible that you're guaranteed to have a blessing come on you when you read that book. The book of Revelation and Jesus' own message about his return in Matthew 24, 25, and 26. Now listen to carefully to what he highlights. He says, now learn this parable from the fig tree, that when the branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know the summer is near. You, so you also, when you see all of these things, know that it is near even at the door. 
Assuredly, I say to you, this generation, this generation that sees the fig tree come to life again, the fig tree, what is that? I'll tell you in a moment. This generation will not by no means pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And then he begins to give the scenario of what we call the rapture. Paul called it being caught away. It is, it is a, it is the coming of the Lord. And he begins to talk about, but of the day and the hour, no man knows even the angels in heaven, but my father only, but the, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be with the coming of the son of man as they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving his just normal days until the day Noah entered into the ark until the flood came and took them away. So will be the coming of the son of man. Two men will be lying in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be working in the meal. One will be taken, one will be left. Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known the hour the thief would come, he would have watched. He would have not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming. Listen, at an hour you do not expect. So I want to preach just a few moments about what is taking place in prophecy and why it matters to us. Jesus on the Mount of Olives called his disciples together and they were sitting there talking and they began to ask him a series of questions. What will be the signs of your coming? How will we know that we are in the end times and the end of the world is what they called. How will we know that everything like we know the world is about to change? And Jesus himself began to tell them that there would be a generation of people that would witness a rapid fulfillment of prophecy, all of them suddenly one after another would begin to take place. And he said, that generation that witnesses these things will be the generation. I will not tell you the hour. I will not tell you today, but you can know the season when you see these signs begin to take place. He said, there will come false prophets and religious faith leaders and I used to think that was just like the, you know, like the extreme or some crazy religions and far out things. But I think, too, that that includes false teachers and preachers in the pulpits of churches who are not preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's so watered down that people are they're, they're having itching ears and they're telling them what they want to hear instead of preaching about eternity and getting ready for the Lord to come. It's so important. And then he said there would be wars. And this is Jesus said, look, notice these things, wars and rumors of wars, threats of wars. And then he said there would be severe racial tension. When he said nation shall rise against nation, the word nation in Greek is ethnos against ethnos. In other words, ethnic tension will get greater and greater and greater among the, the, the uh, 
different groups of people. And you will see this happening right before your eyes. And then he said there would be an increase in famine and earthquakes and diseases and natural disasters. Jesus predicted all of these. And the skeptics say, well, it's always been that way. I've heard this all of my life. It's always been that way. But Jesus was saying that these are the, these signs will be like birth pains. It even says that the apostle Paul talks about it in Romans. And as the time gets closer, it's like a mother that's having a baby. You know, she has little signs when she first starts and just a little, Ooh, something feels uncomfortable. And then there's a long period of time and then a little bit more severe pain. And then there's, and then the time starts getting shorter and then it's pain after pain, after pain, after pain. He said, that's exactly how it'll be. The generation that will know that I'm coming back it won't be one thing and then a long period. It'll be one thing after another. It feels like since the pandemic to me, thing, it's been one thing after another, after another. Jesus was saying, just like a woman that has pains giving birth, you will see more and more frequently and these signs and it will be more intense. There's always been wars. There's always been false prophets. There's always been earthquakes. There's always been famines. There's always been diseases and racial tensions. There's always been these things. But he said, when you see these things coming again and again and again, one after another, after another, they will be more frequent. They will be more intense Then it ought to get your attention. It ought to, if you're listening and leaning in and really wanting to be ready, it ought to wake you up to realize something is going on in our world. The signs of the times are all around us. Romans 8 said, we know that even creation groans and travails. It's waiting and yearning for the veil of the curse to be broken off of uh, of, of the whole earth, the rocks and the trees and the oceans and the stars and the moons, they're still, the moon is still under a veil. When the curse happened, it's still as beautiful as the sunset is, as beautiful as the fall weather is. It's still very ugly. We've gotten used to ugliness compared to the beauty. That's why the Bible said when Paul got caught up into heaven, eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard. You can not imagine the beautiful sounds, the beauty of a world that God creates that is not tainted with the curse of sin. The flowers, the mountains, the ocean, full beauty has never been seen. The Jewish rabbis teach that even when Messiah comes, even the dirt will glow. Even the dirt will glow with the glory of God. And when you see storms and when you see volcanoes and when you see fires and when you see earthquakes and when you see it, and certainly, I mean, it's not even a debatable thing since 1948 to now, you can look at the charts. I didn't have time to bring them in here, but it's astounding earthquakes, more, 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 more. Everything that he talked about, it's happening even as we speak. And then the signs will increase, he said. And here's another one of the signs. He said, and in the last days, believers would be persecuted. They would be 
hated. We're beginning to see even in America, there is a stereotyping of Christian that Christianity and they're hated. And it seems like we are the, we're the blunt of, of jokes. And we're constantly in movies portrayed as the horrible people. When in reality, if something good happens, it's usually a Christian that's making something happen and giving and doing amazing things, but nothing good. It's almost like we're seeing, you know, Persecution is not just the dying and killing for your faith that, that people suffer on the mission field somewhere. But even here, we see incredible things happening as people stand for biblical values. They are losing their jobs and they're, we're seeing more and more lawsuits and litigation and big companies like Hobby Lobby that have certain uh, biblical foundations that they just, it would, it breaks their faith to pay for certain medical acts uh, uh, and they don't feel like they're supposed to pay for an abortion or whatever it is. And so they, they fought that. And when they fight that, they get sued and it costs them. They were paying at one time a million dollars a week a me for a full year, but the Supreme Court turned it around. They got it all back. Praise the Lord. But, but the point is, do you understand what I'm saying? That the persecution is coming, folks. The more you stand for Jesus Christ, the culture and the world is getting more and more wicked. And I'm not here to bring bad news. I'm here to bring good news, but I'm here to preach the truth. And if you don't ever get talked about and you don't, if you're just like everybody else, you need to check yourself because this is an hour when if you live godly in Christ, you will suffer persecution, the Bible said. And then he said, because of iniquity, the love of many would wax cold. The church, there would be a great falling away, a falling away from church, a falling away from biblical values, a falling away from morality, a falling away even in our language, in the words that we use. And it used to be Christians didn't cuss. It used to be that, that people didn't do certain things just because they understood, I am an example. I am a light to the world. I don't want my evil, my good to be evil spoken of. So there's some things I'm glad some people, aren't you glad they don't put road, road rails in ditches? Aren't you glad they put them up way up there on the cliff on the side of, because some, some people, some of y'all are just all down in the stuff, you know, and, and maybe it's not a heaven or hell issue, but we ought to get some rail guards up there. This gives us a good distance. Now that don't cost you nothing. That's not in my outline, but I'm preaching the truth. And he said, the love of many would fall away, fall away from truth, fall away from marriage being sacred and holy, fall away from godliness and holiness. Matthew 24 said that of the day and the hour, no man knows. But then he said in verse 37, if you really want to know what it's like, this is Jesus preaching about signs of the times. He said, it will be as the days of Noah, so shall be the coming of the son of man. He said, on the day that I return, it will be just like any other ordinary day. He gives that description for as in the days of Noah, that 
they were before the flood. They were eating, drinking, marrying, entering into marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark. It was just like another ordinary day. People were just going about their business. And he said, that's exactly how it's going to be when I come back. They didn't even realize it. Suddenly the flood came and they were left behind. And he said, so shall it be at the coming of the son of man. The people will just be busy. The people will just be caught up in this world. They'll be distracted. They'll be preoccupied. They'll be worldly. They'll be carnal. Do you know that Lifeway Research said that only one-third of the pastors that are preaching in Protestant churches believe in the rapture today and preach about it? Only one-third of the pulpits are preaching Jesus is coming back. That is astounding to me. Every 30 verses in your New Testament is saying Jesus is coming. One out of every 30 verses in the New Testament says he's coming back again. Can you imagine with me if you're going on a journey, a long journey, and every 30 miles you see a sign that says it's coming, it's coming, and you keep looking, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. That every time you open up the New Testament and read within 30 verses, there's going to be, if you average it all out, with, for, for every, ver, every 30 verses, there is, he's coming, he's coming, be ready, be ready. Hebrews chapter 9, unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. It's so important. As pastor, I feel the urge and the need to warn you and to, and to proclaim and to compel you to be ready for the coming of the Lord, to think in the, I'm going to date how old I am, but somebody wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come Again. And they wrote it in 88 and it became a huge success. And, and this guy was really a brilliant uh, mathematician and he understood numbers, and, but his numbers were off. And he even predicted the week and all of that, that it would happen. And some of you are laughing, but how many of you were alive and remember this? Let me see your hand. And I was pastor in Free Chapel. And and I remember getting phone calls on that day. Now, we didn't have the electronic stuff that we have today, but I remember the phone being lit up and people were calling, wanting to know his pastor there. I believe Sharice called one time and she, they were, and you know why they were calling me? They, they thought if he's still here, the rapture hasn't taken place. I, I mean, I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? But it was amazing how many people went to church. But what if he came today? Do you understand the return of Jesus is imminent? Do you under, it could happen at any moment. It could happen before I leave this pulpit today. This is not a game. This is not something that might happen. And then Jesus said, if you really want to know, I'm not going to give you the day. I'm not going to give you the hour. But he said, I'm going to give you important clues. And then he said in Matthew 24, he told them the parable of the fig tree. What is the fig tree? The fig tree is Israel. The fig tree is when you see the nation of Israel come alive again and begin to produce fruit. Do you understand that after 
after they were decimated and destroyed and conquered for 1900 years, the Jewish people were scattered all over the planet. And then in the 1940s, Hitler and the Nazis came and they started killing them in every nation they could find them, slaughtering over 6 million Jews. And it looked like the nation of Israel. Now, why? Why were those people so targeted? Because Satan knew that that was the way that the Messiah was going to try to do his thing. And so they have been targeted. It, it has gone on forever. They were, they were in slavery in Egypt and they were in slavery in Babylon and on and on. But they had never been back and had their own land for 1900 years. And after, during World War II, after the war, the Holocaust, the United Nations felt so sorry for them that they voted. It's astounding. I'm going to tell that story one day. I can't do it today. But it's astounding how that happened. And the, in one day, a nation was born, fulfilling the scripture in Isaiah I believe it's the 68th chapter that said a nation will be born in a day, born at once. And that happened in 1948. How many of you now here? Here's my point. Here's why I'm preaching this. Here's why I'm saying this. This is huge. A.D. 70, Jerusalem is destroyed and 1900 years. Israel, the people never come back to the land. But in 1948, Jesus said there would be a generation that would see the fig tree come alive and reproduce fruit. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of you, how many of you were alive in 1948? Let me see your hand. Raise it high. Guess what? That is the generation. They're thinning out. But never in the history, you talk about prophecy. Jesus said, I tell you that generation will not pass. Whoever is alive in that generation, and it happened at the United Nations in 1948, Israel became a nation. They were given the land and the Jews who had been decimated by the Holocaust, they had lost all of their money. They had lost their businesses. They had lost their homes, their clothes, everything. They were emaciated. They were starved. They were, they were uh, pitiful. They, they couldn't even fight. They couldn't stand up for themselves. And they went back and gathered something yearned for them to go to Israel. Israel because we don't have anywhere else the way we've been treated. Do you see? Do you see? And they're coming back. They're coming back. They're coming back. God said, I'll say to the north, give them up. I'll say to the south, Isaiah said, I'll say to the east and the west, come forth. And they'll come from all over the world. When did all that happen? In this generation that we're still alive in. In this generation. Do you know that the Bible says in the book of Psalms that a generation is basically 70 years. Throw up my verse in Psalms. It says, it says the days of our lives, and don't let this depress you, uh, but, but this is just how it is. This is what the Bible said. Now, there is a reason of strength, which, which is a big deal. Amen. 
But, but he said, the days of our lives are 70 years. This is a generation. And if by reason of strength, you can have 80 years. And, but if you do keep getting old, he, he's trying to say there, uh, you're soon still going to be cut off and you're going to fly away. <laughs> How can I say? So I, I'm one of you kind of. I wasn't born in 48, but I, I put 70 rocks in this. In this. You, know, you know, really all your promise, all your promise is, I heard about a preacher who did this, and I read it in a book one time. He said every year he took out a stone. And you know, you start out with 70 years. And for me, uh, I'm 61, so I, I, these are already gone. I, I, don't I don't have but, excuse me. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and I'm giving myself some 80. <laughs> but it's amazing, isn't it? We think we're going to live forever. We don't like to talk about eternity. We don't want to talk about death. We don't want to talk about it. But the truth is every year, these, I got a lot more out there than I've got in here. And all that I, all that he said you really can count on, if you're, if you're lucky, we would say, is 70 years, and if by strength, 80 or so, and the rocks are getting fewer and fewer. And what I'm trying to preach to you, oh, glory to God, that in 1948, that's 75 years ago this year, And people are fading out and, and they're going home to be with the Lord. But he said there would be some left from that generation. I'm not preaching the hour. I'm not preaching today. I'm preaching Jesus' sermon on the signs of the times. How close are we? How soon could Jesus return? I mean, in seven years, we could be in the millennium if Jesus came today. This thing can happen at any moment. And Jesus said, you better be ready. You better be ready. There will be a generation that will witness the coming of Jesus Christ. And he said that generation that sees the nation of Israel as a fig tree bud again and blossom again, that generation will, be, will not pass away until I come. Some of that generation will be alive. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But my point is simply this. Israel became a nation May 14, 1948. And then something interesting happened back in 2018 that we had a little part in. I remember being invited to Washington, D.C., to the State Department, to have a dinner with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. There was about five or six ministers that were invited, one table. And he said, we want you to talk to us about what Christians believe concerning Israel and what we need to understand about faith. 
and we want to know, and the president wants to know. At that time, it was President Trump. He said, what they, we want to know what Christians believe concerning Israel and how our relationship would be. And before I could speak up, John Hagee was there sitting, and he spoke up, and he said, we want the president to move the embassy to the city of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of Israel. We want them to do that. And can you believe that he did it? Every president said it should be done, but they wouldn't do it. But he said, we're going to do it. And they did it. And what I'm preaching to you is, it was established, the embassy was bought. And on May 1948, they had the dedication. When was it? 2018. They had the dedication of the embassy. I was invited by the Jewish, by the Israeli government and by the American government, and I was supposed to go, and I was going, and I had, a, I had a crisis in the family, and I couldn't go, and I'm so still upset about it. <laughs> but at the end of that dedication, they asked John Hagee to pray a prayer, and this is the prayer that he prayed, and I, I couldn't help but think of it today, knowing all that Israel's facing. Listen to this prayer. Our most gracious heavenly Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who calls the stars by name and measures space with a span of his hand, the God who is the king of the universe, we gather here today to thank you for the joy of living and seeing this glorious and historic day. We thank you for the state of Israel the lone torch of freedom in the Middle East, who lives and prospers because of your everlasting love for the Jewish people. It was you, O oh Lord, who gathered the exiles from the nations and brought them home again. It was you who made statehood possible. It was you that gave a miraculous victory in 1967 when Jerusalem was reopened to worshipers of all faith. Jerusalem is the city of God. Jerusalem is the heartbeat of Israel. Jerusalem is where Abraham placed his son on the altar of the Temple Mount and became the father of many nations. Jerusalem is where Jeremiah and Isaiah penned principles of righteousness that became the moral foundations of Western civilization. Jerusalem is where Messiah will come and establish a kingdom that will never end. We thank you, O Lord, for President Donald Trump's courage in acknowledging to the world a truth established 3,000 years ago that Jerusalem is and always shall be the eternal capital of the Jewish people. And because of that courage of our president, we gather here today to consecrate the ground upon which the United States Embassy will stand reminding the dictators of the world that America 
and Israel are forever united. We thank you for our ambassador, David Friedman, and pray your anointing upon him as he opens the doors of the U.S. Embassy to receive the nations of the world. Let the word go forth from Jerusalem today that Israel lives. Shout it from the housetops that Israel lives. Let every Islamic terrorist hear this message, Israel lives. Let it be heard in the halls of the United Nations, Israel lives. Let it echo down the marble halls of the presidential palace in Iran, Israel lives. Let it be known to all men that Israel lives because he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. As King David prayed 3,000 years ago, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and all its inhabitants. Let the name of the Lord be glorified today for the defender of Israel today, tomorrow, and forever is here. Can we all shout hallelujah? Amen. Now, now I'm, I'm going to finish my message. I'm going to take five minutes. So play in five minutes. Y'all look great, but play in five minutes. And I'll be done. What's going to happen? What do we know for sure about prophecy? The rapture. Where is that at? 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. The Lord himself will descend with a shout. He's going to shout. And then there's going to be a voice, the voice of an archangel. It's Michael, the warrior. He'll assemble all the angels and they will stand as guardians. Jesus at the rapture will not come back to earth. He will stop in midair in the clouds. The angels will stand to protect and escort us. Suddenly something's going to happen. The Bible said the trump of God will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And when Jesus comes, he'll bring the spirits of those who have died. And the first reunion, it's three reunions that will take place. The first reunion will be the spirit of those who've died in Christ. Your dad, Bill Stowe. I, I could stand up here and I think I see fast faces flashing through my mind. People, I preach their funerals. But on that day, that day that could happen before the sun sets today, the spirit will reunite and the body will come up out of the grave. Only it'll have a body just like Jesus, a resurrection body, perfect body. And the body will reunite with the spirit. Then there'll be a second reunion. The righteous dead that have been resurrected in their bodies will be caught up together with the ones who have been raptured, who were living. And suddenly the dead will be alive and be reunited with the living in midair. Families will wrap themselves around each other and praise God. And then the final reunion and so shall they ever be with the Lord. We will see him in the clouds face to face and be reunited with him forever. What do we know for sure? That's not 
That's going to happen. And by the way, there's already been four raptures. Enoch walked with God and was not. God took him. He got raptured. Elijah never died. A fiery chariot came and raptured him. Jesus in Acts chapter 1 went up on a cloudy elevator and was raptured into heaven. The apostle Paul said, I was caught up into the third heaven and I didn't want to come back. They made me come back. There's another, there's two more raptures that are going to take place. One will happen during the great tribulation when they slay the two prophets and CNN, all of them, Fox, all of them, they'll be watching live and they're going to get resurrected and get up and preach and win 144,000 converts instantly. And then right in front of the cameras, they'll go up. But before that happens, you and I, just some ordinary day. And here's what I want to preach. And I've got four minutes left. <laughs> when he comes out of Matthew 24, he goes immediately into Matthew 25. What is Matthew 25? The story of the 10 virgins, the parable. And Jesus taught it. And he said, if you want to know what my coming's going to be like, when the bridegroom comes, all of them knew he was coming. But only 50% of them had oil in their lamps. The other 50% were not ready for the coming of the bridegroom. And he said, at midnight, in an hour that you think not, I'm telling you that what I'm preaching to you, we're seeing fulfillment of prophecy that is astounding. And back in the 70s, when I sat and heard preachers, they used to preach about this stuff, and we live with an expectancy. But now... Nobody really is looking for Jesus to come. For most of you, this sermon won't get past the parking lot. We really don't believe he's coming back, but you must understand there's more prophecies about his second coming. The first coming was in Bethlehem, the old little town of Bethlehem, but the second coming is going to happen. And he's going to, the rapture is not the second coming. The rapture is the rapture, the catching away of the church. Immediately when that happens, we go into the great tribulation. We don't, you do. I'll be in heaven at a rewards banquet called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And the world will go in chaos. America will go in chaos. You're going to get what you wanted. There will be no churches and no pastors preaching the truth. They'll all be gone. And some of you are going to be calling my cell phone. I'm not going to answer. But imagine with me, that's when the Antichrist will step out. That's when he will create one currency. We already see it happening. One government and one faith. I believe it will be the Muslim faith that will be enforced on the world, just like what you're seeing. And if you're a Christian or if you're a Jew, you will be slaughtered or you will convert. And if you don't take the mark of the beast, it could be a chip. It will be some form of technology that never even existed when I heard preachers preach about this stuff. And here we are and we're seeing it and it's happening rapid. Boom, 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 boom. And, and yet 
Jesus said, don't worry, I'm not coming back when they're looking for it. I'm gonna, there's going to be a generation that will see the tree come back to life, Israel, and they won't even be awake then. They'll, they'll know I'm coming, but they'll be asleep. And the bridegroom cries out at midnight. And the Bible said five were not ready. And five were ready. Listen to me. The only reason Jesus told that parable was because he wanted us to know it is possible to think that you are ready for the rapture and not really be ready. There's no other reason that parable's in there. He's warning us, you must be ready. And as pastor of this church, I feel compelled to cry out, Jesus is coming. Nobody can fix the world. I'm not a negative preacher. I'm going to occupy and live, and we're going to be sold in light, and we're going to enjoy our lives and our families. You ought to go to college, and you ought to get a career, and you ought to do all of that, and you ought to get married, but you ought to have on the forefront of your heart, he's coming again. He's coming again, and we must be ready above all, above everything. We must be ready. I love old Noah going after his family. Get on the ark. And he being the eighth one, the Bible said he got them all on. Then he went on last and God shut the door. Are you ready? Those of you watching at our campuses, are you ready? Are you ready for the soon return of Jesus Christ? The rapture. Halfway through that tribulation, he's coming back on a white horse and we're coming with him. And that's when he's going to step, he's going he's to annihilate the armies of the Antichrist in the valley of Megiddo. And then he's going to, feet will touch down, according to Zechariah chapter 14, on the Mount of Olives. And he's going to walk over to the city of Jerusalem and set up his kingdom and his millennial reign for one thousand years. Clap your hands to the King of Kings. Clap your hands to the Lord of Lords. He shall reign and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Stand to your feet. No one moving. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Every person at every campus listening to me. If you don't know, you can know. If you're not sure, you can be sure. Are you ready? Jesus said people would be left behind. One taken, one left behind. One eating a meal, and one, two, and one taken, one left behind. Don't get left behind. This is your chance. He could come today. I want to have on our heart this word saying, be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. I really want to say thank you for joining us this week. If you haven't already, make sure you click on the subscription button and leave us a review. 
It helps this podcast reach even more people when you comment, when you give us your feedback. For more messages and inspirational materials, download the Jensen Franklin app. Or you can head over to jensenfranklin.org. I want to thank all of you who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.